The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Mike, but not necessarily for everyone, as we'll find out soon enough. Um, it has been a very interesting week in the NHL. Um, the you know, season's supposed to have ended yesterday, but I guess it's not ended yesterday. <laughs> well, there's still several teams who have games left, No, none of them more than the Vancouver Canucks, who had that period where everybody on the roster seemed to have gotten yeah, they uh, play the disease. Like, they didn't play for like three weeks or something. Oh, absolutely. Which uh, this season happens to be like half the season, but, you know. They still have uh, seven games left. Seven. I mean, yeah, it's funny. You look at the if you look at the standings, and in the Scotia North where they play, they have played a total, as you said, of forty nine games. So they have seven left, and yet even those fourteen points would not be enough to vault them into. Oh, wait a minute! It would vault them into a tie with Montreal, but Montreal still has two games left. So maybe it would not be a fascinating thing, <laughs> but I don't see it happening. You and me both. Not the way they've been, just not the way they've been playing. Um, I don't think they're going to win out. So I'm pretty it, sure that Montreal is going to take that fourth spot. But it would literally be the Cinderella story of a century. Yes, it certainly would. Like a full century, like in 21, 21, people would still be talking about Hey, remember when the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, but still no. <laughs> but still no. I mean, it, it, and and I was looking at the standings before the show because I always I always try to keep the standings in front of me so I know what I'm talking about. And you look at it and it's like, okay, St. Louis has already nabbed the fourth spot. Arizona can't do anything about it, but St. Louis still has three games left, whereas Arizona's done. Yep. Ah. Uh, the biggest battle seems to be whether Boston, yeah, whether Boston can take the second spot. And I don't even know if they can. I don't know what their tiebreaker is with Washington. But Boston would have to win out and Washington lose their one game and they would both have 75 points. I mean, there's little battles here and there, but. Oh, the other one that's the most fascinating Literally the most fascinating matchup in the league right now, Florida and Tampa Bay. Oh, they've they've done nothing but talk about that on on every sports network that's existent that, oh, my goodness, Florida is going to play Tampa Bay. And it looks like this at this point that Florida is going to have uh, is Florida is going to have the uh, home ice because. Uh, Tampa would have to beat them in regulation in the last game of the season, uh, and they would win on a tiebreaker of uh, regulation regulation wins. Are they playing each other? And yes, they, they are. both have one game left, and it's against each other. Yes. So, oh, they, and their last game was also against each other. I mean, this is theoretically and potentially, in the loosest terms, a nine-game playoff set. Basically, yes. And their stats are really, really ridiculously close. Um, Florida no. has scored. Florida has actually scored more goals than Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's only by four. Um, but Tampa has allowed ten less goals. 
their goal differential plus 32 for Florida plus Tampa for uh, plus 38 for Tampa. I mean, yeah. come on. Even if you go back, even if you stop and look at their home and away records, it's like, okay, Florida has 19 home wins. Tampa Bay has 21. And it goes even deeper. They're both one and two in the shootout. (laughs) Like this has the potential to be the best first round matchup since what was it? uh, Six, seven years ago, that glorious uh st louis um st louis and was it la that we spent the 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 physicality was off the charts yeah i don't i i don't think anyone believes this matchup would be that physical but as far as i don't know nolan chari might have something to say about that (laughs) pure intensity even though these guys have never played in the playoffs and the Panthers and Tampa have both been in the league more than 20 years at this point. The the battle of Florida is on for the first time ever. An entire playoff series will take place in the sunshine state. Fans can drive from just outside Miami to just outside Tampa in only a couple of hours quite frankly, fans can beat the team, probably beat the teams from one arena to the other. <laughs> well, if they have to wait for charter flights and all that, you know, <laughs> just getting all the luggage out of the, out of the, out of one building and into the plane, out of the plane, into the vans to go to the next arena. Yeah. Like we, people talk about the subway series between the two New York teams or, uh, L.A. and St. Louis, this is that close. I I mean, most of the Metropolitan Division is that close. You know, whether you're going from the Islanders to Philly or New Jersey to the Rangers, it doesn't matter. They're all right there. But this is also that close. It's it's going to be the most entertaining, in my opinion, and... Take that for what it's worth, but yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the most entertaining matchup, opening round matchup there is. I mean, there's no, there's no matchup that I that has a better story in the first round this year than this one. None. It, it doesn't matter if Montreal sneaks in, and we have Montreal Toronto in the first round for the first time in. Decades? It's still not the first time. <laughs> it's still not the first time. It's not uh, Huberto, who's finally claiming his spot as a league star, going head-to-head with... That only took a few years, huh? Going head-to-head with uh, with Hedman and Stamkos and Kucherov, who are, all, who are both going to be mysteriously healthy when the playoffs start. Isn't that amazing? Uh, how that Amazing. I, I I don't unprecedented know. Unprecedented and in no way suspicious. Oh no, no, not at all, not at all. No, I I mean I would love to know who their medical providers are that they could you know that that's could I, I get mean, an, could I get an appointment? <laughs> I mean you look at the Mass Mutual East. There are some interesting matchups there. Yeah, but it's but not. It's nothing we haven't seen. Boston, Washington. We've seen it, done it. Island, I mean, the Islanders. Boston, Pittsburgh. Pitt, 
Cena done it. Islanders Pittsburgh might actually be the most poten- most interesting potential there because yeah. they've had some ugly games. Most of the players involved in those really ugly games are no longer there. Yes. But that's I mean Islanders Pittsburgh as your second most intriguing matchup of the first round. And don't get me wrong, it's going to be the first round. They're lifting a lot of the uh, restrictions uh, on travel and quarantine and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, still. I mean, is anybody is regardless of all the matchups and, and we've got lots of other stuff to talk about. But regardless of all the matchups, does anybody really believe that Vegas or Colorado isn't going to somehow be in it at the in in it at the end? I mean, Colorado, they're dealing with uh, McKinnon's got a little bit of a something going on. But, I mean, Vegas was a plus 62 on the season, 741 win percentage. They lost a whopping four games at home. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I don't think anyone. Well, Vegas and Colorado should be there. But the problem with should is. Well, you have you to play, play the game. games and should. That's right. I Minnesota, agree. Minnesota was never expected to be here. I don't even think most of their fans expected them to be here. And they're 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 perilously close to entering the playoffs with a 700 winning percentage, 700 or points percentage, rather. And that's utterly bonkers. Oh, is that what that is? Points percentage. I yes, points percentage. They're at six. They're currently sitting at six ninety four, but they have two games to play. And so, but it's still amazing yeah, that they're McKinnon a plus. Is they're a plus twenty nine. When how long? How long? How, how many times have we said they can't score goals? I, I don't remember the last time that they were a plus team. But what did I say at the beginning of the year? It's the coach. Repeat, you're the, You're the coach. coach. Yeah. You're the coach. Um, and their coach got Dean them the promised land. Dean Evison, in my very humble opinion, has punched his ticket for his next NHL job. Dean Evison is Dean Evison is the. Uh, and I love it when I forget coaches' names because I sound like such a moron. Dean Evison is the Craig Berube of two years ago. That's an interesting statement. I have to think about that one a little bit more. Um, I mean, the only difference being that Dean Evison actually coached in full this season and Craig Berube took over in January of that year. But to have that kind of an impact on the team he's coaching, I mean – Minnesota is going to love to to say that it's all about Kirill the thrill and, you know, oh, my goodness, he scored, what, 27 goals or something like that. You know, and he's had a fabulous rookie season, but it takes more than that. And as you said, this is the year of the coach. It's it's about way more than that. Uh, Kapo Kakinen, the rookie goaltender, when he was needed to be huge, he was. He went on that 11 game win streak, 12 games, whatever it was. It's it's all about more than just Kirill the thrill. It's all about that has been a real team this year. They're not 
They're not riding a rookie. They're not riding a superstar. You have Fiala playing on the penalty kill. Yep. <laughs> the first time I heard that, I went, he does what? He does what? They don't do it all the time, but when they're like a goal down and their ability to come from behind, I watched a Vegas game like a week ago. They were down five to three in the third period or four to two or whatever. And last two or three minutes, bang, bang, score, score. And three goals and ended up winning six to five in regulation. Minnesota is... They're not the same Minnesota from the last couple of years. Under they're not Boudreaux. the same Minnesota in their entire franchise history. Okay, like, we can go let's ahead. be honest. When was the last time anyone said, "I can see Minnesota getting out of the first round"? Uh, Never. I still haven't heard that phrase. <laughs> so here's here's me saying it. I can see Minnesota getting out of the first round. They, if there's uh, going to be an upset. With McKinnon dinged, yeah, Minnesota can serve that one up in a hurry. I'm not saying it's going to be a four game sweep with them winning, you know, four nothing three times and getting sloppy and having to go to overtime for a three two win in the game four. But Minnesota absolutely can beat anyone. It's almost as scary as saying that Colorado actually plays defense. Given the team that was that existed, like, what was it, not even four years ago? Yes, and it's somewhat confusing. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Just I a mean, little bit, yeah. We... Uh, we spent enough time... We spent enough time back in the day uh, on the fact that, well, how do you pass on Seth Jones? Um, oh. Why you not drafted... It was Edmonton... It was like Edmonton revisited Edmonton never drafted defenseman. It seemed like after Eric Johnson, uh, they never drafted defenseman. It was like, what do you think? Oh, wait, then they drafted Cal McCarr. Oh, okay. Well, and they drafted like three other really good young defensemen or traded for them over like a three year period. Cause mm-hmm. guess what? You look at the Colorado defense. Yeah. There, there was no old guys on there. Well, they brought in Devin Tays. They, they got rid of um, Zadorov. They sent him to Chicago. They brought in Devin Tays from from the Islanders, which was great. They had Sam Girard, who now plays alongside Kel McCarr at times. Yeah, um, Sam Girard is twenty two. And Devin Sam Girard is, is actually. And Sam Girard's pretty good. I like Sam Girard. Ryan Graves is twenty five. Patrick Nemeth is the official old dude for the Blue Line at twenty nine years old. Wait, wait, there's a theme here. Connor Timmons, 22 years old. Kale McCarr, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And Jacob uh, McDonald is the associate old man at 28 years old. Youth? Youth and raw skill. So that actually that has a potential to be an interesting matchup as well. Again, not as it's not going to be Florida, Tampa Bay, but Minnesota, Colorado. Should it finish out that way? Because Colorado still has three games to go. Vegas. Still, wow. Nothing's sorted out in the Honda West. No, huh? nope, 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 nope. 
like we're still going to be talking about potential matchups next week, but let's talk about some of the bigger news before we dive into the nitty gritty of the standings and the other matchups we want to talk about. Sure. Um, going back, uh, everyone set your way back machines for March 7th. Uh, the show we did then, um, you can go back and listen to that show real quick. Just hit pause right now. We'll wait. We, we waited. I'm assuming that you had pause because okay. on that show, we talked about the potential for John Tornarella, whose contract expires at the end of the year, not to be there next year. Well, there, there was there was the, the there was the little just a little you know thing of, of he had the dreaded um, vote of confidence from his general manager. Yes. And we there was speculation that he wasn't going to that he might not even make it to the end of the season. Um, I'm I, glad to see that was wrong because I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure he's the best possible coach for the team. But I don't think he deserves to be fired, particularly given the dearth of coaches who might be a better fit. That team went through that team went through a lot more than just. Tortorella and Line A, Tortorella and Dubois. They went through injuries. They had issues. Corpusala was out. Then Mazlikins was out. They it, traded their captain in the middle of the year. They traded Mark. Yeah, they traded Felino at the deadline. It, it, it's, they traded it, David Savard, who was one of the longest oh, tenured players. In oh, town. wait, to Tampa Bay. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, a lot of what happened there wasn't in his control. I mean, okay, you want to blame him for whatever was going on with Dubois? Even then, I don't think you can because we don't know what was going on. Was we don't Dubois- know, and Torts didn't actually throw the guy under the bus. No, he never did. He said, you know, coaches make decisions. Um, they need to go with whoever they think is going to be most effective, and I'm paraphrasing. And at that moment, it wasn't him, which, you know, allowed for covers up, cover-ups for injuries, non-COVID illnesses, family matters just weighing on him, or all sorts of other possibilities. John Tortorella is not the type to sugarcoat stuff. But he's also the type that protects his player. He 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 shields them, and he takes the issues on himself to deflect it away from the team. Absolutely, and we've talked about that going back oh many times years before the show, um, much less just during the course of our run. So unfortunately, though, he is now or uh, will no longer be. Mutually ending his tenure at the end of the year. And guess what? He's not going to wait long for another job. Seattle Kraken still don't have a coach. I don't. And I still think he's a terrible fit for that market. As I, far say, as I don't think that he's the right coach to have as your first coach. Uh, in Seattle. Yeah. If you were introducing a second Chicago team. Oh, in a heartbeat. You're bringing back the Hartford, a, Hart, a team in Hartford, in a skinny minute. Yeah. Uh, you're putting another team. In, you're putting a team in Houston. Go for it. Seattle, 
Mm, no, he might be there. Yeah, no, he might. He might just not be the right. Um, I don't want to say temperament, but it's the only word that comes to mind. And that's a fine word for it. You basically need another. You need hockey's version of Pete Carroll to go out there because John Tortorella. Yeah, he's not going to give the warm and fuzzies to uh, the uncommitted fan. Those unfamiliar with him or hockey. Um, yeah, no, no. I'm trying to think of who would be a great coach for out there. And I, of guys I've been, I've been currently about it. in the NHL. I don't know. I've been thinking about it. I can't, I, you know, it's like we talked about last week about uh, and after the show. I think it was we talked about Guy Boucher, and <laughs> yeah, I don't think Guy Boucher is a good idea either. Honestly, um, I saw the way he used to coach at Tampa Bay. I don't think he no. I I don't think he's going to work in Seattle either. But that's just a personal opinion, you know. I, uh, yeah, I gotta have to say no, that, that one won't work either. Possibly even more explosively and combatively with the local media and other human elements than Tortorella. There he goes. There he goes the bus. He's gone. See ya. Yeah. Because while um, Tortorella certainly doesn't shy away from anything, I don't think he gets in people's faces as often as certain parties would like to pretend. It, it, I pulled up the art. I pulled up the article from from the Four Letter Network. And yes. It, well, it's got a quote for. It's got the quote from from John. It says, after discussion and consideration of the future direction of the team, Yarmo and I have come to a mutual agreement to part ways. I'd like to thank the Columbus Blue Jackets organization for the opportunity to coach this team and live in the great Columbus area. It has been a privilege to work with the players, coaches, and hockey operations and staff, and so on and so forth, which is – he's still a professional. Regardless of how he acts in some of his press conferences, he's still a professional. And then right after it says, the regular season finale in Columbus, Ohio, had the feel of a farewell for Tortorella. Fans chanted his name during the game. And yeah. the coach made the unusual move of having all of the Blue Jackets coaches, including video coach Dan Singleton, work the game from behind the bench. That's 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 awesome. I, I love it when John Tortorella basically outmaneuvers everyone again. Again, because people, because people talk about him. Oh, he's so abrasive, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't get it. His style doesn't work in the NHL. Guess what? First of all, he does it for a reason. And he has a plan. He's not just doing it because he's he's ticked off. He is legitimately the anti-Tom Wilson. What? He actually thinks it through before acting? Absolutely. Literally <laughs> everything he does is thought through. And he knows to a pretty high level of certainty what the results are going to be before he does it. If he and was he accepts dis- those results. If he was disliked in Columbus, the fans would not be chanting his name at the end of the, no. at, during the last game of the season. 
How many coaches name? I mean, Cassidy won coach of the year here in Boston. I don't ever remember hearing the fans nope. chanting Cassidy's name. Nope. Not. Nope. It didn't Not happen for Julian his- either. And he won a cup. <laughs> he won a flipping cup here. And uh, no yeah. one chanted his name. I mean, Byron Bitts got his name chanted, but that's just a well, whole other story. That, that, that's a different story altogether. You know, <laughs> there was nothing going on in Boston hockey at the, at that moment. <laughs> yeah, and no. Byron Bitts was a great story. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, he's not the only coach that is um, transitioning. Mutually transitioning, too, which is amazing. Uh, Dave Reed on the NHL network called it gray Monday, even though it's Sunday, um, because no one was being fired, uh, versus the normal bloody Monday or red Monday, uh, when coaches, general managers get the ax around the league, um, because Rick Tockett is, uh, leaving, uh, leaving our pack in Arizona. I I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I saw this coming or not. We should have. If we didn't see it, we should have. Remember uh the general the general manager who hired Tockett is no longer around and neither are neither are most of the people who he hired or worked for him, yeah. Ding ding ding. That's a very good point as well. And while I don't think that there's nothing to indicate that there was a major feud between Tockett and the new general manager. Tockett's Tockett's one of those people who you're either going to like or dislike. And I guess the fact that I guess the fact that Phil Kessel likes him means he's probably a little bit odd. Um, Phil Kessel. No, that Phil Kessel likes Rick Tockett. It, yeah, means that Kessel's a little odd. Uh, no, mean possibly they, means that Tockett's a little odd. Oh, okay. I mean, he's another one that I don't know how long he's going to go w- without work. If depending on it, it really comes down to what he wants. Obviously, he probably wants another head coaching spot, and at minimum, I think once the season is officially over. We see two head coaching spots pop up. Uh, not 100% sure who who or where, but I think that um, just based on numbers, we see two head, we see two pop up. I think that he's got a better shot at landing the uh, landing the uh, Seattle job. Seattle job if he wants it. I think they're gonna go with somebody like. Oh, I don't know. Gerard Gallant, who already did it once. <laughs> it's an outside shot. I don't think it. I, I you, not sure that that's actually. I, I don't know if that could be considered an unpopular opinion, but is it an outside shot that Gerard Gallant goes to Seattle? Meh. I don't think that it's going to be. I don't he, think it's going to be talking. He'd be a good fit. Boudreaux. Um. I think the other possibility for Seattle is that they go with someone straight out of either the O or the or college. I don't know if you can go that inexperienced 
I mean, you're trying to you, because you're trying to get a, a an NHL an NHL franchise off the ground. I mean, Vegas didn't go that direction. Gallant happened to be available because, well, as we know, Florida, Florida decided to pants. what? Florida filled their pants. Yes, this is true. Yes, but and the whole cab thing that was. Hmm. But assume for a moment that you know you're going to take the youngest players available on any given roster and you're going to sign UFA uh, like undrafted hockey players out of uh, North America and Europe. And you're going to aim for a team whose average age is like under 25. Don't you want, don't you want a college coach or a USHL coach, which I think is probably the least likely option. Um, as the yeah. guy who knows how to massage that age range. It makes sense. Somebody who's used to working with youth and, and being more of a teacher rather than a manager. I mean, again, Vigneault would not be my, would not be a top choice and not for his uh, temperament, shall we say, but because of the fact that he is, as we've discussed many times, a manager and not a coach. And he's, Laissez-faire for a manager. <laughs> I wasn't setting you up for a shot, but that's okay. <laughs> it was there. I took it. It was a beautiful drop pass. I mean, it, and to go back to talk it for a second, is he even to blame for what happened? That's why I, it, when you said, you know, the former GM going and a lot of his. No, 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 no. Hires. I don't blame Rick Tockett in any way, shape or form. In fact, I applaud Rick Tockett. For having to deal with all the injuries and the ownership and the lack of finance, Rick Tockett took the gift of being in the playoffs last year and turned it into a round one win with a team that should not have been in the playoffs. Yeah. He got a playoff win. And if he had two healthy goaltenders for the entire 56 games this season, He'd be in the playoffs again. He'd probably be at least at least He'd have earned fighting. a playoff spot. I mean, because Auntie Kemper can't. goes down. Auntie Ranta has not been the same since they since he arrived in Arizona. You cannot convince me, and you, you just cannot convince me if they'd had a better number two goaltender this year that they couldn't have found two or three more wins over their number two this year. No, they're another they're another team and they didn't quite do it in as dramatic a fashion most nights as Minnesota did, but they're another team that they were never out of a game. They they have their own number of comebacks to look back on and smile about. I mean, and to look at uh, Jacob Chikrin, 20 goal, uh, did he get the 20 goal? He was close. 20 goal score from the blue line. I honestly hadn't looked at his stats, but he's he's been really, really good. I mean, it's just it's I don't know. I did. I think Tockett took what he had to work with and made the best of it. Could he could um, Kiefer? No, not Kiefer Bellows. Um, uh, so Chikrin is at 18. He hit 18, not uh 
Oh, not 20, he's, but still. He's still got a couple see. of games, though. Uh, no, I think they hit 56. They're done. Oh, are here. they done? They're 56? Okay. But if you look at their goaltending, um, Darcy Kemper, not a great season. 907 save percentage. Yeah, for him, that's subpar. Um, that's subpar for the league at this point. But Aiden Hill, 913 save percentage in 17 games. Um, Antti Ranta only played 12 games um, with 11 starts. And Ivan Prosvetov. Um, he played in three games, but only one start. Uh, and his save percentage is, uh, well, we don't no. need to mention it. But if they had if they had gotten league average goaltending this year, which would have been somewhere around like nine sixteen, nine seventeen, yeah, they're in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, it, it, they, they, and the guys that they had, like Michael Bunting, came on toward the in the second half of the season. He had what nine goals in eleven games or something like that. I mean, didn't know yeah. where he came from. I mean, Connor Garland was there. I guess their star this year. Um, Christian Dvorak, I think, was their leading point getter. Or uh, for most of it. the season, yes. Um, Castle I mean, ended up topping the heap at the end of the year. Okay. But, um, the guys played hard. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do this offseason if their ownership has uh, as deep a pockets as we've been led to believe. Um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of potential there. Agreed. It's just now it's bringing in, now it's bringing in somebody who can continue on with the positive ways that they've been going and not jump them back to square one. Do you think Tortorella is the right coach there? Oh, I don't think he's a wrong coach there. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's a wrong coach. I mean, you're bringing in. I mean, Tockett himself was a gritty grind, you know, yes. grinder type player, and that's he's not afraid to, you know, be like that in front of his play, be like that with his players. So I don't know that Tortorella would necessarily be a shock to their system. It'd be like, oh, my goodness, you know, we never dealt with a guy like this. Well, yeah, you kind of have. Maybe not to John's level, but, yeah, you kind of have. <laughs> so he, he might he might be okay there. I, I, the young guys, it might be a little eye-opening for, like, Lawson Krause and Clayton Keller because Totorella is not going to let you get away with anything. He's not going to coddle anybody. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're 22, 32. 42. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Just no. no. Um, give him goaltending. <laughs> something happened this week that I was shocked to see happen. Um, it's only happened with two, eight other players in league history. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it on the show a couple of months uh, over the last three months, four months, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. Okay. It happened with games to spare. Um, Connor McDavid cracked a hundred points in 53 games this year. 
that's enormous. The list of other guys who have done that, literally just Hall of Famers. So he's averaging two points a game. Pretty effectively, yes. Um, so Lemieux, uh, Gretzky did it 11 times. Really? Wow. 11 times. 100 points in 53 or less games. Okay. Mario Lemieux did it six times. Yari Curry did it twice. Uh, Phil Esposito did it twice. McDavid's done it. Yager's done it. Bernie Nichols has done it. Steve Yeiserman has done it. And Marcel Dion has done it. Am I missing something or literally McDavid, the only non Hall of Famer on there? I mean, Yager isn't in the Hall of Fame yet because he refuses to retire. But <laughs> I was going to say, you have you have to stop playing first, don't you? you and at this point, McDavid might stop playing before Yager. I will say for for the feat that he's accomplished, 100 points in 53 games. But. He still hasn't hit that mark of, and I don't know if anybody else is going to be able to do it. It would probably be him. But the last guy to do it, I believe, was Cam Neely, 50 goals in less in 50 games or less. See, I think that I think that um, Austin Matthews is more likely to hit that. He is more of a he's more of a pure goal scorer. Yeah, like he can he gets goals from more places and he doesn't have to do it on the rush. McDavid is still if I and I remember we're on the East Coast. We don't see as many Edmonton games as people on the West or in the in the middle of the continent. I kind of feel like I think McDavid is 70 plus percent or more of his goals are either on the rush or on the power play. I personally believe, and, and you know, take it for what it's worth, but I believe that Connor McDavid is a more complete player than Austin Matthews. They're both fabulous in what they do, but I think that Connor just sees the ice differently. He's he's just as good at setting up somebody else as he is at scoring himself, and. I mean, some of some of Connor McDavid's breakaways and rushes have been uh, breathtaking, yes. stunning. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I disagree with you, but my level of comfort with your synopsis is sort of squishy because okay. of the speed difference. Like, well, that yeah, that comes into play as well. I mean, except for that guy in, uh, except for McKinnon. Can you name the next fastest player in the league after McDavid? Uh, it would be like McDavid, McKinnon, and uh, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan Larkin. I don't even know if it's Larkin, but it's really? the, the gap between those two and everyone and, else. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Is, is enormous. Yeah, I've seen McKinnon start a rush on his own, walk through all five players and be in on the goaltender alone. And it's like, damn, that's fast. <laughs> um, and when you can move that fast, particularly if you're thinking the game fast enough to make your movement sensible, it's you're, you're going to process better. 
it, yeah, it's not just about the being able to move that fast, though. It's about being able to move that fast and keep control of the puck and keep your wits about you as to what's going on around you and to know, you know, where another player might be on your team if you need to get rid of the puck. It, it, it's being able to, pro- like you said, process all the, that extra data that's going on around you. It's not just about That's the speed to be able to act on it. Yes. And the difference between McDavid who, uh, who is either the fastest or second fastest guy in the league, as far as foot speed and Matthews, who is solidly in the top 20%. Um, it, it's big and it makes a difference. That's but that's why we've always said and and we I think I can speak for you on this one that we both feel that Matt that Mitch Marner and not Austin Matthews is the best player on that team. Yes, and funny you should bring those two up. Uh, have you looked at the actual stats for the league right now? As far as what I've looked, as far as like points leaders, league leaders. Not recently, except for it's fascinating. And you know why it's fascinating? Because Brad Marchand is like third or fourth. He is third. Um, one, he's got the same number of points as Mitch Marner. Um, I believe Mitch Marner has played uh, one more game or so. But when you look at the top five players. Mm-hmm. Something really big sticks out. And I think this is going to have to be worked into all of the awards, uh, the postseason awards voting, um, if it hasn't been already. What is Brad Marchand on this list uh, of the top five goal scorer, uh, top five points producers? Oh, we've, already, we've, already, we've discussed this before. He's a winger. Nope. Well, one, he's actually the oldest guy there. Oh, okay. By significant, by a, by a significant number of years. I think it's like four or five years at closest. I think Dreisaitl is actually the next oldest. But he's the only guy not in the North Division. McDavid and Dreisaitl. Oh, yeah. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Marner. Man. Yeah, okay. They're all playing in the North. And, I mean, it was said earlier in the year by more than just me that whoever won the heart this year or the rocket this year was probably coming out of the North because that's it. it it's not really. Yeah. It, it's. And guess what? Austin Matthews, 40 goals. Yeah. Connor McDavid, 32 goals. Leon Dreisaitl, 30 goals. Those are the top three guys in the league. Um, then you get down to Rantanen, Debrinket, who are not in the North. Um, and then Tyler Toffoli, 28, also in the North. When was the last time that he was in the conversation for top top goal scorer in the league? Has he ever it, been? No, because, well, it, in his because defense. Because he's had to face good goaltending. I was going to say, in his defense, he had to face decent goaltending in the West which is where he is no longer now that he's in the North. Uh, the other argument you could make is that he did have 
much more of a support. I don't know. It's almost like in Montreal, he <laughs> he's been expected. the guy. For he's score. been the man. When he was with L.A., you had Jeff Carter, you had Dustin Brown, you had um, Kopitar. Kopitar, yes, it, it, Doughty on defense. It, quick when he was younger. I mean, it, it, in in net doing his job, it, you had Tanner Pearson, who's now in in Vancouver. Yeah. It, he did. He didn't have to do it all. Now he is the top guy. Don't get me wrong. Nick Suzuki is catching. He's a whole lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Nick Suzuki's catching fire, but Tyler Topoli is is kind of like he, he's he gets the man. To, he gets to be the man. Yeah. So he's their only twenty goal scorer in in Montreal, and Josh Anderson is number two with seventeen. And despite only playing 35 games this season, Brendan Gallagher is number three. Yeah, Brendan Gallagher. <sighs> I love Brendan Gallagher. I know. Like, legitimately, uh, he is just a ton of fun to watch play hockey. But you look at the goal scorers, the, the top three goal scorers in the league, again, all from the north. That division is squishy. Yes. And okay, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw down a fifty dollar bet right now with the first fan to respond. Fifty dollars, wow. Fifty US dollars. If I win, I will make a fifty dollar donation to the charity of the first fan to respond's uh, choice. Any charity available in the in North America. Here's the bet. The Stanley Cup winner is not coming out of the North. 1993 was the last time a Canadian-based team, the Montreal Canadiens, won a Stanley Cup. That streak is not breaking this year. I'll, I'll match your bet. Okay. So... I, Ladies and gentlemen, you believe in your Canadian teams. $100 to the charity of your choice um, if because a Canadian team wins. I don't think it's going to happen either. As good as, 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 as much as Edmonton can score goals. And mm. as close to balanced as Toronto actually is right now. Because let's face it, Toronto... Toronto opened up a big gap points wise uh, on on the rest of that division in 54 games. They have 76 points. Edmonton has 68 points in 53 games. That's Toronto could Toronto. That's, that's impressive. They could still take home the president's trophy. I mean, Carolina has to slip a little bit in their last game, um, but Carolina's at 80 points in 55 games. They don't have – there's one thing this playoffs is going to require that playoffs haven't required in prior years. Go for it. A goaltending tandem. 
Yeah. You and I don't think you are going to be able to start one goaltender for the entire playoffs. I don't particularly if they if they compress the schedule as much as has been talked about. I don't want to say rumored because uh, I've only heard one or two people say it, but they were talking about say as many as like four games in five nights in the first round. And no. Uh, no. And, and as much as Jack Campbell has come on and I really liked him when he was in L.A., he's wiped and he showed it after he hit that 12 wins in a row mark or whatever it was. He then had like a string of three games in a row where he was a lot less than stellar, got pulled a couple of times. And his backup, I think, is still Michael Hutchinson. And if Anderson does come back from his injury, do you throw him out there as the number one? Do you leave him as the back? You know how he's got to get up to game speed. So I don't know about their goaltending. So Toronto, as balanced as they might be, I still think has some issues in the net. Edmonton definitely has issues in the net because I'm not ready to anoint Miko Koskinen to anything but barista. And Mike Smith is going to do everything he possibly can. And Mike and Smith is 40 years old, almost 30. 40 years old and arguably should be a heart favorite. <laughs> I, I'd give him an outside. I'll give him an outside shot at it. 9.24 save percentage on a team with a defense like that. 9.24 save percentage on the Edmonton Flipping Oilers. He's also got a 2.28 goals against. Um, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Actually, and this is a guy who uh, who last year for that same team had a 902 save percentage. What roster changes have there been that that are so dramatic? Uh, uh, Twenty and six. Damn. <laughs> so Mike Smith 925 in 30 games played. Miko Koskinen 900. Yeah, in 24 games. And don't talk about his goals against average because. Uh, Wolf. Yeah. No. Oh, see, no. And the less said about Stuart Skinner's appearance, the better. Probably, yeah. <laughs> it was not. But, not something he's going to brag about either. <laughs> but the the game split between fifty between Stuart uh, Smith and Koskinen, I'm more than enough to tell you. One is playing better. Even the goals against average, which I have stated for years, is a team thing. Is there some is there some element of communication between the two? Absolutely. But in six fewer games, or in in six fewer games, Koskinen has allowed four more goals than Mike Smith is. If, if you're, you're going to turn around and blame an additional one goal per game on just the team in front of him? No, I think in oh, this it's not case, just that. I think in this case, it belongs to the goaltender. <laughs> Part of it, yeah. There's no way. There's no way you can convince me. Uh, now, am I saying that this is all Miko Koskinen's fault? A 900 save percentage? No, 
because I'm still not impressed with their defense. Yeah, but save percentage is... Save percentage is the purest of goalie stats. You've got Tyson Berry, Darnell Nurse, uh, Chris Russell, Adam Larson, Ethan Bear, and Evan Bouchard. I like And Ethan. then you toss in Caleb Jones. Hi, Amy. Um, William Lagason, who, uh, who have gotten into a few games. Uh, and then um, Dmitry Kulikov, Slater Cuckoo. Um, but the, the bulk of those minutes are played by those first four guys we named. Right. Tyson Berry is an offensive defenseman, and there's not really another nice way to describe his play. Darnell Nurse is a very physical defenseman who plays defense pretty well. Not great. Um, and by not great, I mean I'm putting him outside the top 20% in the league. Okay. Which I don't think is unfair. Um, Adam Larson, he is. He's a second pairing defenseman. He was he was traded for a number one overall. <laughs> yes. He's a second pairing defenseman. Chris Russell. Yeah, no. I think I like hearing more about James Neal's hair routine than I like seeing Chris Russell on the ice. And I don't care about hair routines. I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> and then the rest of the guys are utility pieces or still growing into their career. And that's it. That's it. You can't look at any, you can't look at any of these guys and say, Oh, look, that's a shutdown defenseman who's in the top 20% in the league. And he's definitely the guy making the difference um, on the back uh, on the blue line. Can you? I can't. No, I can't. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> Is this, does this defense perform better than it did three or four years ago? Yes. No. Does it? Yes. Really? Because even even with a goalie having a great season, a well, nine twenty five save percentage with the defense that we saw three, five years ago when they weren't, weren't, weren't making the playoffs at all. Impossible. I think part of this comes from some of the forwards leaning in more on the defense. Um, you had Tyler Ennis there for 30 games. Uh, Alex chase on is pretty solid defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins as I'm not well, going to put him. I'm not going to put him into the Bergeron, uh, Kopitar category, but I would say that he's probably inched really close to David Krejci in terms of defensive ability. Really? Uh, certainly compared to what we saw in his first three or four seasons. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not ready to, I'm not even, I don't know if I'm ready to go. I think he's a smarter, I think he's learned to play smarter instead of just harder, faster. Yes. You know, oh my God, I've got to be the, he, he would have, and we've discussed that many times too. He would have benefited from a year, not as the man in Edmonton. I think that that whole five seven year run was them putting the league, set them putting their draft picks into the league a year or two years too early. Taylor Hall probably oh, could play in the league in his first year, both physically and mentally. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, flat out no. He should have gone back to juniors or off to college 
or yeah. even gone and played in Europe for a year. Well, look what it did to Yakupov. Uh, see, I don't know if Yakupov was even viable, but was he skilled? Oh, absolutely. I saw enough of his play in juniors and in the tournaments that raw skill, sure. Um, as far as, you know, possession of a league average or better frontal lobe? No. Mm. No. You don't Physicality? Did he have the physical grit and durability to play in the NHL? That remains uh, unknown. Yeah. I would, unknown. I would be inclined to yeah. I would be inclined to agree. So what else in the stats this year surprises you, if anything? Uh... Well, I was actually just looking because I know I made a I know I made a call and and I was curious to see how close he had gotten to it or not. I was just looking at Taylor Hall's numbers. Do you realize that he had 19 points in 37 games and in only 15 games he's already at 12 points for the Bruins? I hadn't just, actually done the math lately, but just saying. I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, and by the way with with Buffalo, he was a minus 21. With the Bruins, he's a plus 14. Just saying. So uh, you're saying that he <laughs> elevates his game to the level of the players around him? You think that having you think that having more than just one player, and I'm not knocking Casey Middlestad, I'm not knocking Sam Reinhart, but they're not Brad Marchand. They're not David Krejci. They're not Patrice Bergeron. I think the fact that he is playing with the and he's not on the Raptors line, obviously, but playing with that kind of lock playing with those kind of players, that kind of locker room. And here's the other element. He's playing behind those players. He is not the first person, the first goal scorer that a coach is going to put on the board in any given game because Brad Marchand still exists. David Pasternak still exists. Patrice Bergeron has had, what, four 30-goal seasons? Or is it five now? Um, he, and then you're getting to him and Krejci and Smith and whoever else is further down the roster. And I, I, know, that, I know that he's won a Hart Trophy when he was with the Devils. And I know that Taylor Hall was and number one it. over was number one overall back when he was in 2000, what was it, 9 or 10 or whatever it was. Um, but I was not aware of his back-checking and defensive abilities. But if see, you watch him play, wow. See, I saw that in New Jersey because I watched a lot of those games. Um, same with Kovalchuk. Yeah, he's another one that did his his defensive abilities get downplayed very much. Yes, it's like people don't want to admit that guys who are ridiculously able to score goals can also play defense. Like Patrice Bergeron, his offense doesn't get talked about enough because early in his career he had those massive concussions that nearly ended his career and arguably his life. Um, 
They don't talk about his offensive game because he's such a damn good 200-foot player. And so his offense kind of gets lumped in as like, oh, and by the way, he's pretty good at offense too. And yeah, he he scores he scored 30 goals in the league four or five times, four times, uh, scored cup-winning goals, um, overtime <laughs> game winners. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't say I didn't say I agreed with him. I'm just telling you that the reason why it gets ignored is because he There's plays so much such else. he does so much else. And I know that's not where you were going. I didn't mean to throw that in there. It's just that I know that you between you and I, we had different numbers as to what we would expect for re-signing him. And I think that he's hit the mark. And we talked about that last week. So, but I'm just impressed. You know that. Clearly, there was something going on in Buffalo more than just that locker room was toxic. Exactly. Let's just face it. The locker room was toxic. Uh, even the fact that they were trying to get um, Eichel to come back and play with a bulged uh, herniated disc. In a season with no fans on the stand where it was going to hurt their ability to draft high. Because there's even if he played and played the the season of his career, even if he were right up there with McDavid uh, in terms of points this season, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to bump them up more than nine points in the standings, ten points in the standing, because the rest of the team is <clears throat> something less than good. Again, I part of me says part of me says it goes back to the goaltending. But it also oh, their goaltending is garbage, and their defense isn't much better. Except for Ristolainen. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, that guy gets just completely thrown out with the bathwater, and it's oh, not geez. fair to him. He's the town whipping boy. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, I know that's not where you were going. Uh, were you going with Marchand for Hart? Because that seems to be a discussion around here. It's been a big discussion here. and, and Especially if your name is Jack Edwards. I... We all know that Jack and Brick make my entire day on a pretty regular basis. Jack has been hounding Marchand for Hart Trophy for like the last three weeks, at least. You could make a really good case for it, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Now, if you're asking me who my Hart Trophy finalists are, Mm -hmm. knowing that I don't necessarily put points, I definitely don't put points as a number one category. Um, it might actually come down to a forward, a defenseman, and a goaltender. Well, you already said you think Mike Smith should be considered. Um, and people are going to dislike the the defenseman because his team is not going to make the playoffs, even though they would in at least two other divisions, two of the other divisions. You have to give some. You have to at least talk about putting Adam Fox on your. Oh, absolutely. On your, on your roster. Adam and Fox. the fact that now here's an award that I think they should make going forward in the future, mm-hmm. because I think it's more stable than mm-hmm. any forward lines. I think there needs to be an award for best defensive tandem, as well as the Norse. Because there are some pairings that work so well together. 
I think there needs to be a best offensive defenseman separate. I'm just tired of seeing the Norris go to the likes of a Brent Burns or a whoever scores the most goals defensively. Like, is Chikrin going to win the Norris because he's got the most goals for defensemen this year? I don't know that he's a Norris Trophy candidate as best defenseman in the league. He's the best scoring defenseman this year. Hey, I could I could get behind adding the offensive. You call it the or call it the. Um, I, don't think it, I don't think that's fair to Orr though, because Orr was also a good defense. Orr was a just a. He was. Gretzky of defense. He was well, no, I, I think better than Gretzky of defense. He was defensive and he was the Bergeron of defense. <laughs> okay, I'll go with that. Who would who would you who would I don't know who you would name it for. Uh, but Coffee? yeah, some the the Paul Coffey. I mean, uh, yeah, some uh, Chris Chelios. Or, I don't know. Chelios no. was a high scoring defensive, no. but something like that. I don't know. I just it, again, it's just something I'd like to see because I think that really good defensive defensemen get hosed because they don't put up numbers. Like, I mean, just based on pure on what I've seen of them in terms of play this year, I could get behind a Shea Theodore for Norris this year. Like if yes. someone wants to make that push, sign me up. Dude. I think, he, I think, I think he's in, I think he's one of the finalists. I would, um, I mean, are you saying Adam Fox for Norris? Are you saying Adam Fox for Hart? Hart. And I know that he, where they didn't make the playoffs, he has no chance of winning, but he's still finishing the season. With 55 games played, 47, uh, 47 points, plus 19, 0.85 points per game, um, and less than half of his points on the power play. So he's contributing a shorthanded. He's contributing at even strength. Uh, he's got a game-winning goal, which not necessarily the biggest deal. And that's a that's a funny stat to keep anyways, because you never know. Unless it's A, overtime, or B, it's 0-0 going into the third. You never know which goal is going to be the cre- the critical one until after after it's happened, and sometimes, you know, two hours of running time after it's happened. Um, I think for next week, we ought to put together our awards run. Although we did say we were going to do an unpopular opinions show. I'm just, I, I just uh, reminiscing and, and thinking how entertaining it was that we were able to watch both Adam Fox and Cal McCarr on the ice at the same time before yep. they were professionals. <laughs> and they were clearly the best players on the ice for their respective teams. And it wasn't even <laughs> close. And, the two of us were also sitting there agog of Nico Sturm. Who has done a pretty good job in Minnesota this year. Uh, you know, I'm we talk gonna... about Kirill Kaprizov, uh, but Nico Sturm has been right there in the forefront, in the forefront of that team uh, making was, the playoffs. Was he even drafted or was he an undrafted signing? He was, he was an undrafted signing. That's right. Um, and this is only, I mean, this is his first full season, if you want to count it that, because 
Um, it's just too bad that he's, he was a little bit too old to, uh, Oh, technically I think he might actually be rookie eligible. Um, because he didn't turn 26 until May 3rd, but I don't think he's actually going to get it. Well, no, he's only got 16 points in 48 games and we know that it's, it's a, whoever has the most points. It's a points race. Yeah. But yeah, ten his first full season because he's only before this season he had only played in eight games. So this year he played in forty eight games. So uh, forty eight games so far he's got ten goals, six assists. It's a plus eleven. I mean, I'm not gonna say that he's the next you know anybody, but sixteen points in forty eight games is a third of a point per game. I can think of um, other. Number one draft, number one overall draft picks that could only average that in the playoffs. Oh, if only. Yeah. Um, and he's already seen the playoffs, although he, I will still refer to that last season's event as the <laughs> pretend offs. I know you and like for good that reason. Term. Um, so seventh player award was announced this week. And yes, go ahead. You don't break your arm, but go ahead. Richie, as I said, when you said it last week, I can't disagree with the pick. He has, I mean, he hit 15 goal or he scored his 15th goal that night. Something like that. Yep. Uh, Yeah. He has career high. He has outperformed what I expected of him. And he did it very quietly. Like he wasn't ever, he never had, you know, he didn't have like two hat tricks or for like going on the, uh, fists across uh, Canada tour that, uh, backs, uh, Bacchus did a few years back. Is he uh, not the first person to score this season for the Bruins? I think he was the first person to score. I think so uh, too. <laughs> and if him and like DeBrusque can get going this year, this uh, towards the end in the last couple of games and in the first round, it takes the Bruins from likely to make it out of the first round to probably going uh, into the into the conference. Uh, well, it's not technically a conference this year. It's East and West are going to play each other uh, at some point, and then. The North and Central, uh, I think, because of TV ratings, because I can't come up with another reason to make it that way. Um, I mean, I'll be honest. Yes, I wanted Connor Clifton to win it. I love Clippy Hockey. The guy gives everything when every he's on shift. the ice. Every shift. He doesn't put up a lot of points. That's not his game. He, but he does everything that's asked of him. He goes, he just, I think that this season with the whole taxi squad and, and once he made the team, he did not, he, it, it, he made it tough for them to say, we can't play you tonight. And you know what? He's the guy who has played every game so far this season. The yeah, only guy yeah. out of the what seven thousand cast of seven thousand to play every game this season? I got no problem with Nick Ritchie winning it. I I said that last week and I agree with I I still say it this week. Yes, did I want 
Did I want Connor to get it? Yes, but I knew he wasn't going to. Nick Ritchie's the right pick. There's no um, there, You can't argue that. I did throw up a poll over the week or at the end of the last show. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat surprised by the results. Um, what poll was that? I didn't even hear about oh, it. Chara, I the link. For, or Chara crossing the... Um, Oh, we're catching yes, yes, Howe yes. and potentially Marlon. Okay. Yeah, that's right, because when we were talking about it, uh, the first this couple of votes were not. This one's a pretty emphatic statement by people who follow. Um, or wow, I'll say this. so. I had not looked at the results. 5% said yes. Ten and a half percent said, and probably Marlu too. But eighty-four, over eighty-four percent of uh, voters said no. It's not that I disagree with the no. It's that I think that a lot of people underappreciate how competitive Zdeno Chara is. Like this is the man is a monster. Like in a in a different age, going back to medieval times, this is that dude who would have ridden from one jousting tournament to another, one melee tournament to another, and bloodied the entire field and walked out with his hand up. Yeah. I I I, I as I said many times if you go and watch that the, the that Chara 1000 or whatever it was show the the passion with which he puts into his off-season workouts and and, and his, in-season workouts and, and in-season workouts and 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 diet and yeah the way he takes care of himself it's it's on par with uh, the way Tom Brady takes care of himself, which is the reason why he's still playing quarterback at 43 and 44 or whatever. I mean, I think the number's a little high. I think if had the numbers, been, I think had the nose been around 60%, I'd be a little less shocked. I think that that high of a number, 84.2, shocks me a bit. Um, Late edition and I find this one really really amusing mm-hmm. um, it was mentioned that Andre Kasha might just make it back uh, into the lineup before the end of the season really which is arguably really good it, it was mentioned during the game the other night and then during the post game again but like briefly um I think it was last night, uh, Saturday night, and um, but it was briefly. It wasn't like they did a like it wasn't like Nesson did a segment on it, or that it was on the front page of the Bruins website. It was like, yeah, there's some stuff going on, and he might make it back into the lineup, and then on to everything else. Bruins Network um, tweeted, for what it's worth, the friction surrounding Andre Kasha joining the team again is so weird. Regardless of the score sheet, Kasha is a play-driving maniac with the data to support it. When healthy, he's 
easily the most consistent, talented, consistent, uh, talented forward outside of 63, 37, 88, 71, 46, and 12. So, basically so what you're third, saying so is... So he's a third line guy. Yes, he's the bottom six forward. Um, I mean, we did trade Dave Backus, uh, uh, Danton Heinen, and a first-round pick for him. Yes, and I'm of two minds about it. Don Sweeney. <laughs> Sweeneyus. <laughs> yeah, we don't call it genius. We don't call it genius anymore. We call it the Sweeneyus. Um. So, Andre Cash is he better? Is he more likely to give goals to the third line than Anton Bleed or Carson Kuhlman? Yes. Yeah. Going to protect the puck better than Charlie Coyle? No. Is he going to stay healthier than uh, my 82-year-old mother? Probably not. I think my main concern with him is just the 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 whole concussions thing and, and multiple concussions is never a good thing. I mean, I'm very happy that 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 Patrice was able to get past his couple, but I mean, look at what happened to Savard and and Mark. And when I say Savard, I mean Mark. Yes, um, uh, but. Okay, if he if he can come back and contribute, go for it. He's an RFA this year. I think it's safe to assume that he's going to get a show me deal for another year. Okay. Um, probably from Boston, maybe elsewhere. Um, I mean, if he comes out and does well, and the Bruins leave him, sign him before you know the expansion draft, and leave him exposed, he probably gets picked up if he's healthy. If he comes in, plays the first four, first series, and gets is over half a point a game, mm-hmm. and exposed, he probably gets picked up. Uh, Seattle so, probably grabs him. If he doesn't my, play, he's playing for a million and a half next year on an arbitrated deal. Okay, and then he needs to produce. So my question is, should he, should he come back and play? Whose spot is he taking? Cause he's not replacing Corrali. He's not replacing Lazar. He's not replacing, uh, uh, coil. He's not replacing. Well, coil did go out in the last game and didn't return. Oh, is he dinged? He w- appeared to have been dinged. Both are right wings. It would be most natural to put him in in place of Coyle. Okay. Well, there's his opportunity then, if he is and going to come that's back. the case, in. and you're putting him on and Richie on that line, you've got something interesting. Is it? Is it? Is it a second first line? No. Is it a second second line? Probably not. Is it better than a lot of third lines have available if both are playing near in that top 20% of their potential? Probably. Okay. And I think that Kasha probably has a higher offensive ceiling 
than Charlie Coyle. I think Charlie Coyle is a better complete player. Again, like I said about Mitch Marner versus my, I think Charlie Coyle is a better all-around player as far as 200-foot game. And I'm not saying the Kasha is terrible going back and 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 playing on defense, but I just think that Coyle's better at it. But yes, I think offensively, I think you can get more goals out of Kasha out of a healthy Kasha. Assuming such a beast exists. Sure. Um, but is it going to happen? I mean, have we had anything confirmed, or is this? It's still just rumor and speculation at this point, is it not? That he's going to still play? rumor. I mean, Billy Jaffe was one of the guys talking about it, and he's usually pretty well connected. Okay. Um, one of the guys being talked about, and this is from a Tony Stable uh, tweet uh, the other night. Uh, as of the time of his tweet on May 2nd, um, Varlamov uh, has to be a Vesna finalist, most shutouts, seventh and wins, second and save percentage, third and goals against, fantastic season. And yet um, you haven't heard much about him. I'll give him that he could be a finalist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one of those unpopular statements right about now and i'm going to tell you that you say saros needs to be a finalist as well you do that <laughs> but if we're going to have an unpopular show maybe i should wait until then <laughs> sorry too late already came out of your mouth you're gonna to have to work up an entire 30 minutes <laughs> of unpopular yeah, opinion the problem is the problem is you're right i don't know if it's because he plays on the island or because there's Beauvillier and Barzal and, 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 and Anders Lee before we get hurt and and then they got Zajac and and Kyle Palmieri and, and but you're right, you don't hear a lot about Varlamov and the season that he's having on the island. And why is that? Because yes, with his with his numbers this season I agree. I think that there should, I think he needs to be, I mean, he's seventh in wins, which is probably going to hurt him a little bit. But, but the other numbers look really good. Yeah. I I can't make an argument against him being considered, uh, 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 considered a finalist as far as who should win it. I'm not there yet. And they're probably going to hand it to Vasilevsky like they they did last year. And, and yeah, we didn't get around to taking your name off of it, so here you go. Exactly. But there are other goaltenders. Oh, here's that a question uh, before we sign off for the week. Bergeron managed to slide back into first and faceoffs one. Is number five his this year? Might be a good poll question. I think for me. Wow. You just slid right out from underneath that one so fast, <laughs> so fast. Are you running for office sometime soon? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> How, but I agree with you. We're, we are going to make it a poll question. So I think for, I, you can I escape think, answering. It's okay. okay. Uh, I know you I don't want to. I don't want to influence our voters. Um, and last and certainly not least is the dust up that occurred between 
Washington and New York and then New York and the league offices over the last week and change. Well, it was it was nice the way New York it was nice the way the Rangers just, you know, professionally and 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 quietly notified the league of their feelings. Oh, wait, they didn't. You know what? (laughs) They did it loud and I'm all for it. Problem with what league what team officials who were not James Dolan, of course, of course, (laughs) my favorite thing said about it. My favorite thing was when they said that, you know, Jeff Gordon and John Davidson were relieved of their duties or whatever, however they were fired. But it had nothing to do with the statement that was made that their fates were sealed before that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) See, I don't think from everything that I heard, neither one of them made that statement and they were backing away from it quietly off off the air. I do. Yeah. All I know is that Jeff Gordon is another one of these guys, kind of like Tortorella, and kind of like. If Jeff, Jeff Gordon Boy- was going to release that statement that went out on their Twitter account, he probably would have just said it on TV. I don't think he's going to be without a job though for very long. Nope. Uh, and I think that there's probably at least three or four general managers who need to be pretty pretty nervous right now. Um. Yeah. I don't think Jeff Gordon would take that job, but where uh, Kevin Adams, Buffalo. Oh, no. <laughs> Jeff think, Gordon doesn't doesn't need think, to go wallowing there. Well, I don't think Jeff Gordon's Damascus, number one. So I mean, realistically, if I'm Jeff Gordon, uh, Gordon and the Pagulas approached me, I would say, number <laughs> one, you would not like my terms. And number two. Um, I'm not sure that this is the spot for me. Uh, as far as general managers who need to be a teeny tiny bit nervous. You know that he actually started or at some point in time was actually here in the Boston front office. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, he was. He was the interim between I forget who and Chia Pete. Yes. Um, if I'm. If I'm the general manager in Dallas right now, or any time since Jeff Gordon got let go, I'm probably pricing real estate out of town. Dallas, really? Wow. Uh, Jim Nill, he's been there several years. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. supposedly he's friends with ownership. Um, he's been general manager for eight years and ten days. Please tell me how many Stanley Cups the Dallas Stars have won in that time. Would the number be zero? The number since 2013 would indeed be zero, although they were in the final this past summer. And now they're not in the playoffs at all. Admittedly, that's because they didn't have partly because they didn't have Sagan the entire season. Wait, wait, wait. If you're Brad Treliving, are you nervous? Um, Brad, you're living flames. I'm thinking yeah. Brad, yes. I'm thinking Brad might be a little bit, um, wiping his brow with a, with a hanky. Uh, <laughs> you know who else, uh, even though he's not been there a huge amount of time, 
And I think it would probably be foolish to Who? make the change. Who? If you're going to tell me Iserman, it's not happening. No, not Iserman. Um, I don't think that they're that goofy in, in Bill Detroit. Armstrong in Arizona? I wouldn't go near that with a 10-foot pole, just like I wouldn't go near Buffalo. Because I don't know about I don't know about the ownership down there. I kind of wonder if maybe, maybe Chuck Fletcher isn't looking over his shoulder right now. Really? Been there two and a half years at this point. Can you say that this team is better than it was two and a half years ago? Well, they did hire. Your favorite coach in the whole wide world. Absolutely. <laughs> See, I was thinking guys like Doug Wilson in San Jose, but, you know. I See, guess I think could... that those franchises are overdue for nuking flat to the ground. I, and think, who... I think that if you could steal Evander Kane from Buffalo, though. <laughs> I mean, if you could can... have some you have some use. <laughs> Admittedly, Evander Kane made that tweet about how Buffalo was terrible. Not that he was wrong. Um, and no one in Buffalo ever let him live it down, even though most of them have never left Buffalo. Um, but it, so you're thinking Doug Wilson is on the list of nervous GMs right now? I think that I think that San Jose is. I mean, he's been there. 17 years. Exactly. I mean, in four more days, it will be 18 years as general manager with 14 years a month and 17 days as of right now as vice president of hockey jet operations. So do you think he relieves himself as general manager and brings in <laughs> Jeff Gordon as gen as GM? I think, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong. And, and I think that, I think that recognizing that doing two jobs is difficult enough that maybe bringing in somebody of Jeff Gordon's caliber can only help the team. You're right. Is he going to fire himself? Probably not. Should San Jose consider it? Yes. Yeah. Because I'm not impressed by their draft picks. I'm not impressed by their trades in the last five or six years. Well, except for Evander Kane. Picking up Evander Kane wanted out of out of Buffalo as badly as Taylor Hall did. Yes, but I was going to say yes, the but only they stole him is, as badly as we did. <laughs> the only difference is Evander Kane was playing better. He got 22 goals this year. No, no, he was playing better in Buffalo when he was traded. Oh, yeah. Oh, then, then, then Hall was. Yes, he was. Yes, I agree. Um, Dallas and Calgary. I think Brad Treliving needs to be. I mean, I know he's made some deals and he's made some good deals. I mean, he brought in Elias Lindholm. He brought in uh, Noah Hannafin. I mean, he's made some deals, traded away Freddie. Uh, Freddie, oh my goodness, that's terrible. I'm sorry, Dougie. Traded away Dougie to get him, but. He's made some deals. I just I don't know that Brad should be all that comfortable because there's more to be expected out of a team that has the talent of Goudreau and Monahan and Bennett and Lindholm. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Giordano on defense. Who, yes, who's getting older. You've got Hannafin. Yeah. 
you bring in Markstrom, who's been nothing but consistent. He's not superstar, but he's been nothing but consistent around 917 save percentage for his whole career. Yep. You your your outcome should be better than what you're getting than what we've seen. Yeah. And unfortunately, we know that the blame either goes to the head coach or the GM. So is it possible? I think so. I think he might be uncomfortable. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Um, as we mentioned, we're going to put up a poll question. And next week for a good segment of the show, we're going to uh, push out some unpopular opinions. <laughs> um, keep up. If you're interested in us uh, talking about your opinion, you know how to find us on Twitter. You know how to find us on Podbean. You know how to find us by email. Those two at tubemanforcheck.com. I will say for those for those who have been commenting on Podbean, I want to apologize. Uh, I just recently updated, and all of a sudden, a couple of new comments popped up. I will get them into the show next week as far as responses. Okay then. Uh, so we'll work those into a uh, into the um, mailbag for next week. Again, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, recording is a little bit low because it is Mother's Day, uh, late because it is Mother's Day. I uh, hope uh, all of you who were able to spent some time with your mums, uh, and I hope all your mums got to t- put your feet up a little bit. Uh, have a great week. We'll be back, and we will be that much closer to the NHL playoffs, the real NHL playoffs for the first time in way too long. Agreed. Have an awesome week, and uh, we look forward to playoff hockey with you. Take care.